There once was a man who became very ill, and so his wife took him to the hospital. They ran a bunch of tests on him, doctors checked him out, and eventually they came to the conclusion, they came to a diagnosis, and the doctor asked this man's wife to meet with him privately for a moment. And the doctor explained that if the wife wanted her husband to live, then she was going to have to change some things at home. He needed a life completely absent of stress. And so the doctor informed her that he needed to be pampered. He needed to be waited on hand and foot. He needed to not have to do any work around the house. He needed to be free of arguments, free of, of uh, any sort of stress whatsoever. And then the doctor asked the lady, do, do you understand what I'm telling you? Do, you? do you understand what your husband needs if he's going to live? And she affirmed that she did. And then she went back to her husband's room, and her husband, in obvious pain there laying in the bed, said, is everything okay? And she goes, no, honey, you're going to die. <laughs> you know, at, at some point in time, all of us are in need of healing. And the good news is that God is an expert in that field. Just a few moments ago, we read from Exodus chapter 15, where after the Red Sea crossing, the Israelites journey three days into the wilderness, but they don't have any water. And they find this spring, this watering hole, this place called Mara, but the water is undrinkable. And their immediate response, their immediate reaction to that situation was to grumble. They had just, at the start of Exodus chapter 15, spent the first half of that chapter praising God collectively for the miracle He, for the miracle he performed at that giant body of water known as the Red Sea. But now they stand next to this little body of water that can't be drunk from, and they complain. And it's there in that moment that Yahweh comes to their rescue. He instructs Moses to throw a log or a tree or a piece of wood, depending on what translation you're reading, to throw that into the water, which then caused the water to become drinkable. And after that water was healed, the text tells us that Yahweh was using that situation to test the Israelites. Now you may remember that last week when we studied the name Yahweh Yidre, we noted that this new name was revealed in conjunction with the test that Yahweh had given to Abraham regarding the sacrifice of Isaac. And in that instance, Yahweh's provision of a substitutionary sacrifice Led, to Abra led Abraham to call the name of that place, Yahweh will provide. And once again, we have a situation where a new name will be revealed in conjunction with a test. But this time, God drops the name himself. So read it again with me there in Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26. 
Yahweh speaking said, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Now, why do you think Yahweh dropped this name at this moment? I personally think it has everything to do with the ten plagues. The children of Israel were divinely spared from experiencing most of the plagues, which Yahweh refers to as diseases here. But following this test and Israel's apparent failure of it due to their complaining, Yahweh chose to reveal this new name. This new name, which is Yahweh Rapha, and means Yahweh heals. Think about it. This generation of Israelites that have just left Egypt, just crossed the Red Sea, and are beginning this journey to the Promised Land, they had felt abandoned by God for hundreds of years. And now through his agent Moses has re-entered their life to some degree. And their experience with him thus far is a God who inflicts diseases on people. And here we are at the start of this wilderness wandering experience. And God kind of uses this time period as a get to know you session. Let me get to know you and you get to know me again is kind of the mentality with which God approaches the early stages of the exodus and right off the bat first scenario after crossing the red sea god brings them to a place where healing is needed and yahweh uses it as an opportunity to show them that he is more than a god who inflicts disease he is a god who can heal disease as well, and he wants them to understand that about his character. He's revealing something of his graciousness, of his mercy, of his compassion to a people who felt like all they knew before was a, his righteousness and his justice. And so this new name is unveiled to the children of Israel as they start this 40-year migration through the wilderness. And what we need to understand is that our God has never stopped being Yahweh Rapha. He is still the Lord your healer today. Do you remember what James said about healing in James chapter 5, verse 13 through 16? James wrote these words, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. This is a unique passage that undoubtedly addresses physical healing. The Greek term translated sick in, in verse 14 is the typical term used in reference to a physical malady. And anointing with oil was a legitimate first century medicinal practice. 
But it's worth pointing out that James is not solely addressing physical illness. His reference to having sins forgiven in verse 15 and to confessing sins to one another in verse 16 are obvious indicators that he's also addressing spiritual healing. And so when we look at this passage in James chapter 5, we should see James talking about the full gamut of healing. Every type of healing that mankind needs can be found in one source, the one who will raise you up. The Lord God, Yahweh Rapha, your healer. So let's talk about what the Bible has to say about different types of healing that Yahweh Rapha offers. And let's start with this one. Yahweh Rapha can restore physical health. Now, I've got to be honest about something. I've wrestled with this name this week. I've wrestled with this name, and specifically this application of this name. Because one of our own does not look to be receiving physical healing. It was supposed to be announced earlier, but Richard Smith has been placed on home hospice. The family requests no visitors at their, this time, but they do covet your prayers. It's hard to preach about the God of healing when you've got a brother in your congregation who at the moment is not experiencing physical healing. And I talked to a couple of the ministers earlier in the week and, and, and told them I, I might change what name I, I cover this week. Because I picked this out four weeks ago when we started the series. I picked out Yahweh Rapha for this Sunday. And I, I talked to some of the, my fellow ministers and said, I, maybe, maybe I need to change names this week. But then I thought maybe it wasn't coincidence that this was the name for this week. See, here's the thing we must admit about Yahweh Rapha. We must admit that the Bible teaches us that Yahweh Rapha has the ability to heal physical illnesses. But the Bible also indicates that the application of his ability is discretionary. In other words, God is the lone decider of when physical healing will occur and when it will not. Sometimes he will provide that healing, and sometimes he will withhold that healing. And so we come to a story like that of King Hezekiah in 2 Kings chapter 20 and verses 1 through 6, where we learn that in those days Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die, you shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Now, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, Turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. 
On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life. So Hezekiah gets sick. He's prophetically informed that he's not going to recover from this illness. He prays to God for healing. And God responds by granting him 15 more years. In this instance, Yahweh Rapha saw fit to heal. And numerous other accounts appear throughout both the Old and New Testament of Yahweh Rapha choosing to heal people. But at the same time, you have stories such as this. You then encounter stories like David and Bathsheba's child from their affair, who became sick upon his birth. And despite the fact that David sought God on behalf of the child by fasting and laying all night on the ground, that child ended up succumbing to his illness in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Or you've got Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, who became ill in John chapter 11 and ultimately died despite the fact that Jesus, Jesus who had healed people with just a word, from a distance, Jesus was made aware of his condition, but didn't heal him. And then you've even got Paul, who announced in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7, that he had been harassed and tormented by a thorn in the flesh that he had pleaded with the Lord to remove on three different occasions. But it remained. See, like Hezekiah, all of these stories present someone dealing with illness. Someone praying for healing. But in each of these instances, that healing was withheld at God's discretion. And what these biblical examples teach us is that when God chooses not to grant healing, He often has a reason. When it came to David and Bathsheba's child, death was a consequence of their sin. Nathan the prophet told David in 2 Samuel chapter. Uh, 12 and verse 14, because by this deed, a, a reference to his affair with Bathsheba, by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. You see, sometimes our sinful choices have physical consequences. Such was implied by Jesus in John chapter 5 and verse 14 when he re-encountered the invalid that he had healed by the pool of Bethesda and he said, sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. The implication is that something bad happened to the invalid, meaning his medical condition, because of sin. And Jesus is saying, don't sin anymore or you might suffer more consequences. That seems to be a parallel to what's happening here with David's child. And the point is that the death of David's son was ultimately a physical consequence of his sin. And by not healing David's son, God was able to bring David to repentance. Maybe that was his reason. And when it came to Lazarus, Jesus did not heal his illness because 
what he would accomplish through Lazarus' death would be far more beneficial. In John chapter 12 and verse 14, Jesus told his disciples that he was glad that he was not there to heal Lazarus so that they may believe. And as he stood outside Lazarus' tomb, he said this prayer in John chapter 11, verse 41 and 42. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. In other words, by not healing Lazarus, Jesus was able to use his death to bring people to faith. And then when it came to Paul and that thorn in the flesh that was not healed, it appears maybe God did that so that Paul could learn from it. Look at what God's response was to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9 regarding his thorn removal request. God said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And that prompted Paul to declare, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In other words, by not healing Paul, God was able to bring Paul to a level of spiritual maturity that he may otherwise have missed. And here's my point. God often has reasons for his decisions. But what makes it so difficult is that we will never understand God's reasons. We will never fully be able to wrap our minds around why God chooses to heal one individual and not another. And you know why? Because if we could understand God, he would be way too small to be our God. If we could fit God into a box that we could comprehend, he would be less than God. And so we have to admit that the foolishness of God is wiser than men as Paul declared in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25, we are not capable, nor should we be, of understanding God's reasons for everything God does. He is Yahweh Rapha. He is the God of this universe, and He gets to do and decide what He wills without our input because He's God and we're not. And so all we can say is that sometimes we experience the healing power of Yahweh Rapha over our illnesses. And sometimes we experience the healing power of Yahweh Rapha through our illnesses. Either way, Yahweh Rapha heals. But physical healing is not the only type of healing he offers. You see, Yahweh Rapha can also restore emotional and mental health. We know that not all wounds are physical. As one preacher said, some of the deepest wounds in life are not to the body, but to the heart and mind. And when it comes to these types of maladies, the Bible says in Psalm chapter 147 and verse 3 that Yahweh heals the brokenhearted, and binds up their wounds. And nowhere is this more evident than in the life and ministry of Jesus. Consider for a moment the messianic prophecy of Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. 
The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. This is the prophecy from which Jesus quoted when John the Baptist's disciples approached him and asked, Are you the one? This was Jesus' evidence that he is the Messiah. The tasks of the Messiah outlined in this passage are not miraculous in nature. Preaching good news to the poor, binding up the brokenhearted, proclaiming liberty to the captives, comforting those who mourn are not supernatural activities but they are healing activities. They address healing not so much of the body, but of the spirit. And they indicate that Yahweh Rapha sent his son not just to heal physical wounds, but also emotional wounds, relational wounds, mental wounds. And you can see this through his ministry if you read between the lines. For instance, when a father brought his demon-possessed boy to Jesus and explained that the demon often cast him into fire and into water in order to kill him, Jesus didn't heal the father physically. But by casting out that demon and making the man's son whole again, he did heal the father mentally by removing his source of anxiety. And when Jesus encountered a widow who was laying to rest her only child, he didn't heal the woman physically, but in bringing her son back to life, he did heal her emotionally by taking away the source of her grief. And when Jesus encountered a colony of lepers and cleansed them of their disease, yes, he healed them physically, but he also healed them relationally and socially because their restored health allowed them to return home to their families, to return to their places of employment, to return to the temple where they could worship God with the community of faith. And when after his resurrection, Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? He didn't heal Peter physically, but by giving Peter an opportunity to make up for his three denials, he healed him emotionally by taking away his guilt. See, Jesus came to heal more than just the physical maladies that have plagued mankind since the fall. And this type of healing is no less important than physical healing. But it often goes less noticed, less addressed, and less thanked. But we need to acknowledge that Yahweh Rapha can also restore emotional health. But most importantly, Yahweh Rapha can restore spiritual health. You know, in the Bible, sin is metaphorically associated with sickness. Nowhere is this more apparent than when Jesus had dinner in Matthew's house. Matthew was a tax collector, which meant he was considered a professional sinner in those days. And Jesus invited Matthew to follow him, and Matthew had Jesus come over to his house for dinner. And we're told in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 10, that many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus. And when the Pharisees and scribes observed Jesus socializing with those people, they asked this question, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? 
Jesus' response, as you can see here in Luke chapter 5 and verse 32, 31 and 32, was this. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This passage, which is the basis for Jesus' identification as the great physician, does not talk about physical healing. This passage talks about spiritual healing. So when Jesus mentioned those who are sick, he wasn't talking about those who suffer from physical illness. He was talking about those who are sin-sick and need healing. Yahweh Rapha provides that kind of healing. Yahweh Rapha provided Israel with purified water to sustain their physical health. And he has made provision for your eternal health by providing living water. Do you remember what Jesus said to that woman at the well in John chapter 4, verse 13 and 14? Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And isn't it interesting? That when Yahweh Rapha wanted to protect his children from the consequences of contaminated water at Mara, he used a tree. And at Calvary, when he wanted to protect his children from the consequences of contaminated living, once again, Yahweh Rapha used a tree. As Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness because by his wounds you have been healed. Ultimate healing, eternal healing can only be found in one place. And that's at Calvary. Because it's only through the blood of Jesus that we can have access to true, permanent healing. Healing that's made available by the tree of life. Which according to John is present in heaven. And it's there where its leaves are for the healing of nations. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 2. You see, we serve a God who is Yahweh Rapha. We serve an entity who heals. We may not always understand how, why, and when. We may not always get the specific healing we're looking for. But we can be certain that in the end, the healing we need will be forthcoming. If you are in Christ, the healing you need will be found on that day when the trumpet of the Lord sounds. Jesus returns and calls us up into the air, and we go to be with him for eternity because true healing is found there where there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death, no more disease, and no more separation from God. If you need healing today, we offer the Lord's invitation to you right now. Whether you need the prayers of this congregation 
for physical healing, whether you need help to deal with emotional and mental wounds that you've incurred, or whether you need the real healing, the healing that's offered in the blood of Jesus through the waters of baptism. If you need healing today, then we invite you to come while we stand and sing. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow.